Okay, Psalm 51, and we're going to read three verses together. Actually, we'll read four verses together, 16 until the end of the chapter. Psalm 51 and verse 16, and if you'll read them with me out loud, we'll just read them all, okay? All four of them together. All right, Psalm 51, 16, ready? For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon mine altar, thine altar, excuse me. Thank you for reading with me. May God bless the reading of his word. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the theme that is listed for us there in verse number 17, a broken and a contrite heart, a broken and a contrite heart. As we think about Psalm 51, the author is David. The author is David. The timing of Psalm 51 is after David has sinned, he's committed adultery, he has committed murder, he has been deceptive in all of it, Uh, and he's been hanging on for a whole year. Can you imagine that? By that I mean he's been living with that sin for a year. I don't know how he can live with himself. I know as a Christian that when I sin, it, I pray that it bothers me right away. How about you? <laughs> I'm not going to say that I'm better than David, but wow, because I'm not. But this is right after Nathan, we believe, right after Nathan the prophet came to David and said, David, you've caused all this mess. Thou art the man. And that's not the message, but that's the the background of Psalm 51. As we think about that, we ask ourselves, I ask you these questions to consider, not necessarily to answer aloud, but can a life that is wrecked by sin make it back to God? How does any sinner make his or her way back to God? How does that happen? Well, King David pins for us some admonition about this. He is, at one point, he was a shepherd boy with a heart for God. As a youth, remember? Watching over his father's sheep killing a lion, killing a bear. Being where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to do. 
I mean, wow, what an example for a, for a young person. We believe uh, possibly a teenager at that time even. Then God would see fit to use this youth, a ruddy boy, as it says, I believe, in the Bible. Probably didn't look like much of anything to bring some bread and cheese down to the battle where his brothers were. And he would see off in the distance and he would hear this booming voice from this Philistine that was some nine feet tall, give or take. Either way, he was giant, wasn't he? And he would curse God, the God of Israel. And he would run his mouth. And David heard that. And he went in to his brothers, and he said, is there not a cause? <laughs> What's, what will be done to the individual who whoops that giant? That's in the Hebrew. You'll just have to look between the lines. Whoops is not there. <laughs> it's not there. And so God used David and his five smooth stones. Only needed one. But he had backup for his brothers, right? Goliath had brothers. We find that later on. So, wow. What a start for this young man. A psalm writer, a singer. There's no doubt that David had the touch of God on his life, but David would make some choices that, depending on how we view people's lives, I sure hope that People don't view me in my life, and I hope, I know you would say the same, that I hope they don't view our lives by the bad choices that we make. Because every one of us here in this room, these rooms today, and those that are joining us online, we all make bad choices. And isn't it sad that sometimes that's how people are known? Now, I'm not saying that the bad choices that David made should be just pushed to the side and that we should just give him a free pass. Uh, no, not at all. And God doesn't either. Because if you follow the journey of David, you know that, yes, God forgave him, but there were so many things that came out of that. That's not the message, but it's in the Word. You can read it for yourself. But what I'm saying is that Many times when somebody chooses to go against God, we look at them in a different way. Now, we should learn from everything that God put in his word, whether that be good or whether that be not so good, bad, sinful, evil. And I'm not saying that we can't take and learn from one another. But... David in this writing is not the powerful shepherd boy. He's, he's a king, yes, but I mean, his whole demeanor and his way of life. In fact, we might even say that he's a bit removed from God. And maybe not just a bit, maybe a bunch. And maybe we might even say that David is, is um, on the inside, David is not soft and tender and warm. 
And had it not been for the prophet Nathan, how much longer would he have gone in this condition? But as we see in Psalm 51, and we won't study the entire psalm, we're making a a beeline toward the end of the psalm, but if you will read this psalm this week, you will recognize that we have hope that we can always return to God. I'm thinking of some that maybe you're praying for today to return to God. We have hope that anyone can return to God. But we notice several things about this reading. I don't know if it stood out to you, but I pray that what we have here from God's word will help us. Number one, we find something interesting, that the burnt offering is rejected. It's rejected. Look, if you will, please at verse number 16, and the Bible says, For thou desirest not sacrifice, or else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. So we see that the burnt offering is rejected. How many times can we find ourselves even, and maybe we're not uh, only, we're not preaching to people that are not here today, because that, that doesn't do any good, does it? And maybe they'll hear it some, maybe, maybe online or something later, but this is for us who are here today, for those that are joining us by way of live stream or might watch it after the fact. And so while we're praying for someone that we love that needs to be in church and be back with the Lord, may we receive this message from God. It's not from me, it's from God. How many times do we find ourselves living in the religious routine? The religious routine. Nothing seems to be wrong on the surface, but underneath, We are far from God. I mean, we come to church. I mean, we pick up a hymn book, but we're far from God. I mean, we might even open our Bible and turn to the text, and we might even sing in the song, but we're far from God. The Bible says in verse 16, For thou desirest not sacrifice. We can maybe look at the religious routines as that word sacrifice. We might even come out on Saturday morning. We might even hand out a gospel track. And and I'm, I'm praising the Lord for all of this. But I'm just saying we need to make sure as the psalmist of Israel would learn that what God is looking for is not just religious routine. That what God is looking for is not just that we cross the T and dot the I. What God is looking for is that we don't just fill our seat on Sunday morning, but that we allow the Holy Spirit of God, if you're saved, that we allow the Holy Spirit of God every day of the week, not just on Sunday, to fill us with His Spirit, that we have a close and intimate walk with the Holy God. See, that's the Christian life. The Christian life is not a religious, we are not a religion. The Christian life is not a religion. The Christian life is not, okay, I came to church and the rest of the week I got to do what I got to do. No, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. We don't just close the Bible on Sunday and pick it up next Sunday. We pick this Bible up every day of the, of the week and we say, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Would you please turn with me to 2 Samuel and Chapter number six, please. 
2 Samuel in chapter number 6. Thank you for listening. Listen to the Holy Spirit of God this morning. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God is is wanting you to be closer to God. If you're lost, the Holy Spirit of God is wanting you to turn and to Jesus and be saved. Either way, the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to all of us. Think about it. The Holy Spirit of God is speaking to all of us. He's either speaking to you that are not saved, that you need to turn to Christ and be saved, or He's speaking to those of us that are saved, that we need to walk closer with the Lord. Either way, the Holy Spirit is speaking. And we thank Him for that. 2 Samuel chapter number 6. The Bible says, And it was so that when they bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. Skip down to verse 17. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in this place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Verse 18. And as soon as David had made an offering, an end of offering, burnt offerings and peace offerings, He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. This is 2 Samuel chapter number 6 as we just read. And if you'll turn over to 2 Samuel and chapter number 11. Here we do not read in it all that the the sacrifice was rejected in any way. Here we we do not read at all that it was uh, not um, accepted by the Lord. But when we come to 2 Samuel chapter 11, and for time's sake, I'm not going to read through it. You can read through it this week. But here is the sin of David in 2 Samuel chapter number 11 that he is repenting of in Psalm 51. 2 Samuel 11 is the sin of David that he's repenting of. In Psalm 51, I would imagine that David would continue to go through the the sacrificial motions from the time of his sin until the time of his repentance. I dare say he would continue to go through the motions. But it was just a religious routine. It was just hollow There was no genuineness. Would you please turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah, please? The prophet Isaiah in chapter number one. I think that we would all agree as believers that revival is a good thing. Revival is a good thing. But revival will never come to your life as a believer. And I believe revival is always personal first. But revival will never come to a believer who is holding on to sin. It's impossible. It's impossible. That doesn't mean you're going to stop sinning. There's a difference between that and holding on to it. In other words, Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard it, If I regard iniquity, we were studying that verse this week in discipleship. If I regard iniquity, the Lord will not hear me. To regard it means to hold on to it. 
to keep it. It's your sin. You, and in fact, it's to the place where, you know, we like it. Because sin is pleasurable. It gives pleasure for a season, doesn't it? And so that's a dangerous place, and that's a place where we're not going to find revival. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, let this get a hold of us. This is Isaiah the prophet. Now, they don't have, they don't have the B-I-B-L-E, do they? Not like you and I do. They have some of it. They probably had the law, but they don't have 66 books. And so here's the prophet, and he's telling the people, thus saith the Lord. And he's speaking to Judah. I don't know why, but this never really stood out to me. How many times have we said that? You know, that's why we've got to keep reading the Bible. Because there's so much wealth that there that is in there that we need to mine it, right? Like we go for gold. There's, there's gold in there. But notice the conviction. Notice the, notice the um, pointedness of the prophet when he says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. He's not speaking to Sodom. Sodom is long gone. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. He's not speaking to the people of Gomorrah. He's speaking to the people of God. He's speaking to the people of Judah. And he's saying, listen up, you may as well be Sodomites. Woo. That's what he said. You may as well be from Sodom the way you're behaving. You may as well be from Gomorrah the way you're... He says, hey, listen up, Judah. Wow, I read that this week and I thought, man, you talk about stepping on some toes. And they had sandals on, so it would have been a lot easier to step on their toes. That's funny. You can laugh right there. But it is serious. Sorry. I get funny at the weirdest times. Judah wasn't living for God. In fact, Judah was living in open rebellion. Let's keep reading. To what purpose is the multitude of your what? Sacrifices. Notice they were doing, they were doing lots of them. Multitude. What is the purpose? Notice what he says. I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. And, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting, your new moons and your appointments feast, for appointed feast, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will, and that, that, that spreading forth of the hands is, uh, is like lifting up their hands. It was a term that was talking about they were praying. They were spreading forth their hands. Notice what he says. 
I will hide mine eyes. In other words, it was just an exercise. An exercise in futility, as we say. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. But here's the key. Praise God for his mercy. Praise God for a solution. Here's the solution. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. And by the way, I think we can read that verse today. And we can, instead of saying, yeah, Judah, I mean, they were really bad. We should look at our own lives and say, okay, God, what are you talking? How are you speaking to me? What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to cease from? Uh, what do I need to be cleansed of? Verse 17. So it's not just stop doing wrong. But I love the word of God. Boy, Fall in love with the word of God if you haven't yet. Ask God to give you a love for his word. It's not just stop doing evil, by the way. It's not just separate from the world. That's, not, that's only half. But look what he says in verse number uh, 17. Look what it says. Learn to do well. How about it? Don't just stop doing wrong. Start doing right. <laughs> Learn how to behave. Learn how to say, yes, God, whatever you want for me. Learn how to say, no, Satan, I don't want what you have for me. In other words, not just put away the evil, but add the good. I love the word of God. I love the word of God. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead, with the, uh, plead for the widow. If I can speak here. Here's the verse maybe you're more familiar with. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, hallelujah, they shall be as white as snow. Forgiveness is available. Cleansing is available. A new and renewed walk with God is available. If anybody got away from God, a long way from God, it was David. And yet God's precious blood of his son allowed him to come back into his presence. And he said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I submit to you today that there's no better day for you to get right with God and whatever it is than today. We're going to have to put away some things and we're going to have to put on some things. But here we have a promise. We can be cleansed. They shall be as white as snow, though they be red like crimson. They shall be as wool. If ye be, here it is, mark this verse in your heart. Maybe you don't want to mark your Bible, but if you want to mark your Bible, mark your Bible. If ye be willing. There's the key. You know what God doesn't say? Let's try it, Brother Kevin. If I tip over, just push, push me back up. You know what God doesn't say? God doesn't go to us and say, you must do this. He shows us what to do. He shows us where it will end up. He shows us where wrong will end up. He shows us where right will end up. By the way, God always blesses obedience. Never forget that. And then he says in Isaiah here, I don't know, we'll get through the message, we'll try. Maybe we'll have to finish it another time. Then he says, if ye be willing. There's the key. Willing. Am I willing to... Follow the words of the last hymn that we sang today. 
Am I willing to surrender all? That's a lot of surrender. Then he said, if ye be willing and what? Obedient. So the willingness leads to the obedience. Isn't it amazing how in one passage of scripture, God goes from ripping, <laughs> ripping their face off, so to speak. You guys are like Sodom. You guys are like Gomorrah. However, your sins can be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they can be as well. Even though it, it's so bad, if ye be willing. And if ye be obedient. Verse number 19. Ye shall eat the good of the land. And there it is right there. Obedience leads to blessing. But if ye refuse and rebel, again, it's your choice. You know what? We're praying for all of our youth when they get old enough and they don't have daddy and mommy hanging over them anymore. We we're praying that our youth would be willing and obedient to the will of God. Whatever God's will. My mom used to sing a song, His will, His will, I must do. I hope if you're 17 or 67 that you're saying His will, His will, I must do. God made it clear to Judah that religious activity meant absolutely nothing to him. No, no amount of religious activity can make up for a heart that is not right with God. God wants my heart. God wants your heart. God wants my heart to be right with him. Yes, God wants me to serve him, but God wants my heart to be right. Quickly turn over to Jeremiah chapter 7. We're, we're talking about burnt offerings being rejected. Jeremiah chapter, chapter 7. Verse 21. Oh, I'm thankful for the mercy of God, aren't you? Wow, so merciful. I should have been zapped a long time ago. Just done. Just wiped off, done. But God in his mercy. Wow, what a merciful God. Now one day we know that his wrath will be poured out. It's not to say that he is not a wrathful God. He is. But right now his mercy. Time is short. But God is faithful. Verse 21. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your burnt offerings unto your sacrifices and eat flesh. A burnt offering was exactly that. It was supposed to be completely burnt up. Okay? This is not the offering that maybe you, your wife or you made one day on the kitchen stove, you know, when she was first learning how to cook and it came out and, wow, this is an offering. I thought, 
I didn't know we were Jewish, and we have a burnt offering here. <laughs> I'm not talking about that one, okay? Right? In all seriousness, the burnt offering was all for God. The priest did not eat any of it. It was all for God. But notice what God says here. He says, you, you have it. You eat it. Put your burnt offerings unto your sacrifices and eat flesh. He's saying, I don't want any of it. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices, but this thing commanded I them. Here's what I did say. Look at it, verse 23. Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you. And when we do that, do you see the end of the verse? When we do that, look what God says. That it may be well with you. Obedience brings blessings. That it may be well with you. Sadly, though, we read the next verse. And it says, but they hearken not. They hearken not nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart and went backward and not forward. God says clearly that his command was to obey and walk in his ways. By the way, nothing has changed for you and for me today. These people in Jeremiah's day, boy, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, if anybody was, ought to be commended for his faithfulness in preaching for the Lord, it ought to be Jeremiah. Put in prison by his own people because they got tired of hearing his message. Lowering him down into that pit because they got tired of hearing, thus saith the Lord. They got fed up with it. Enough. We can go to church, we can give in the offering, we can lead in a ministry, we can teach a class, we can, we can play an instrument, and all these things are wonderful, and we, we need help in every way possible to God's glory, but the religious activity or the service is, is good, but it is, it is not what it's supposed to be unless it's done with a heart that is broken. Let's go back to our text. Psalm 51, what are the sacrifices of God? The sacrifices of God, verse 17, are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Attitude, activity, excuse me, does not substitute or make for a heart that is not right with God. Look what he says in verse 19. After all of this has happened, then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. Then shalt thou be pleased with the doing of right. Righteousness, doing right. Our religious activity 
I know we're not, a, we're not religious, but our, I should say our service for the Lord must come from a heart that is tender and right with God and even broken. Broken is good, by the way. Broken in, the, in, the, in God's economy, in God's way. But broken is good. So a burnt offering rejected. Number two, a broken and contrite heart received. One is rejected, but one is also received. The Bible tells us that our work for God will be tried by fire. 1 Corinthians 3.13, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. I find that in our text, it is of great value to have a broken and a contrite heart too. The word contrite there means to be crushed into powder. It means to totally collapse. Broken. How many of us would go to the store and see something on the shelf that was broken and say, that's exactly what I was looking for. Nobody would say that. Now, some of you are gifted, way more gifted than me. You might be able to look at something and say, I could fix that. I'm going to go up and see if they'll give it to me for half price. If you can do that, praise the Lord. I can't. (laughs) But you know what? That's exactly what God does. God looks down and he sees broken. And he says, that's just how I like it. Because he says, I can take a broken, whatever it is. I can remake, remold, refashion. Because I love the song that tells us that God never throws the clay away. That's all we are. Just a bit of clay. Broken pictures in the Bible. Judges chapter 7. Pitches were pictures. <laughs> pitches. Pitchers were broken. In Judges 7, the battle, 300 against thousands. But when the pitchers were broken, what happened? The light that was inside the pitcher shone through. And they were surrounding Jericho. And they thought, look at all that. We're surrounded. We're surrounded. See, broken pitchers were used To bring about a victory. Wow. A broken box in Mark 14. A broken box in Mark 14. That box was broken. That alabaster box was broken. And inside that alabaster box, there was ointment that was used. A very valuable ointment 
But it could not be used unless the box was broken. And the box was broken and used on the Lord Jesus Christ as he was on his way to the cross. But it was a broken box. It was broken bread that we find in Matthew's gospel that fed 5,000 and fed 4,000. It was broken. It was broken by the hand of our Savior. And miracles happen because of brokenness. Here we see in our text of Psalm 51, we see a broken will. A broken will. And that broken will led to a life of fulfillment in Christ. Oh, but might we take a moment to turn to 1 Corinthians in chapter number 11. The broken and the contrite heart was received because God loves brokenness. What is God doing in your life? You say, I don't like it, but it could be that God is bringing you to a place of brokenness. And remember, He is a loving, merciful, holy God who would not break you any further than you need. But until we say, I surrender all. You may have to keep breaking it. But remember, brokenness was received. You might want God to take it all away, but maybe God's saying, no, 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 I can't, I can't take it all away because if I take it all away, what I'm trying to do in you isn't going to be what it needs to be. I'm not going to take it all away, but I'm going with you all the way through. I'm going with you. I think we sang about that today too. One of our songs. First Corinthians 11. We haven't had this in a while. We've got, I've got to get it in the schedule. That's the Lord's Supper. For I, verse 23, for I, I have received of the Lord that which I also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Let's read that next phrase together. Can we read that next phrase? Starts with which, and it ends with you. Ready? Which is broken for you. Let's read it again. Which is broken for you. Brokenness. Brokenness, the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of the brokenness and because of the suffering and because of the shed blood and obviously because of the glorious resurrection, but it had to start with a brokenness. Because of the brokenness, a whole world, anyone that would turn to Christ this morning, if you've never been saved, you can get saved today because of the brokenness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the love that God has for you that allowed Jesus to be broken for you. Brokenness. David finally came to a place of brokenness. David finally came to a place of humility. 
David finally came to a place where he said, yes, you're right. That was me. The, the story that Nathan told him, yes, that was me. By the way, a broken heart is not remorse or regret. A broken heart is repentance and then claiming the forgiveness of God. It isn't I'm sorry that I got caught. It's that I'm sorry I lived this way. It's I'm sorry that I had this thought. I'm sorry that I had this action. And I, I, I'm turning from it today and claiming that verse that we read earlier that says our sins can be as white as snow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. We call this the place, and I, this was, again, God puts the songs together. This was a place. We call this a, the place of total surrender. It is the best place to be. Let's turn to Psalm 34. We're, we're making our final approach here. Thank you for listening. Psalm 34. We've got one more point. We'll be done here in just a couple minutes. Psalm 34, though, you must, you must know this verse. You must meditate on this verse. I must meditate on this verse. Look at Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is nigh. That means the Lord is close. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a what kind of heart? Broken heart. Mm. We ought to read that and say, God, break my heart. Give me a broken heart. And saveth such as be of a what kind of spirit? Contrite spirit. There it is. Broken. Contrite. Allow God this morning to take our broken and contrite heart and use it for His glory. Allow God to take uh, whatever it is that He's using right now to bring a brokenness to us. And by the way, it doesn't mean that God is bringing a brokenness to you or me or whoever because we're living in sin. I don't want us to get that idea as it might be kind of intertwining in the, in the message. And I just thought about that. And maybe the Lord made me think about that. That brokenness that's coming about your life isn't because you're necessarily living in sin. But a brokenness in my life allows God to get more glory without the brokenness. Going through something that is beyond our beyond our plan, and God allowing us to go through it in the midst of it is just, we can't even describe it. I just finished reading, uh, uh, listening to a book called We Died Before We Went There. If you've never read that book or you have access to audiobooks, you need to read it. We died before we went there. A family went to a northern African country that was Muslim in nature. In fact, they began their deputation to go there, and then 9-11 hit. I'm not going to tell a whole lot more because you need to read the book. <laughs> and I can't even give away what I'm just about to say because it would give away the punchline. Anyway, it would give away the whole ending. But it's a great book about brokenness. That's a, I'll just say that. A great book about brokenness. Brokenness doesn't sound fun, by the way. And I will say that it's not in the middle, but, but, but. 
But God's right there. He's nigh. He's close. Lastly, number three, we see the building of the walls. The burnt offering rejected, the broken and contrite heart received, and then we see the building of the walls. And my application for this is going to be secondary application. I'll just tell you that, but I do believe it's applicable for the truth that we have here today. Look at verse number 18 of our text. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Now, this is talking about a physical set of walls and its primary application. Build thou the walls. Most cities were surrounded by walls. And they were there for the protection of the people, to protect them from the enemy. They were not just little, you know, little teeny four-foot walls. They were, they were massive walls with a, with a gate to get into the city and, and all the rest of it. But I, I read this and I thought, this is also speaking of the protection of our life. I'll, I'll show you another verse. Proverbs 25, please. The building of the walls. David's walls had been torn down, which is what got him in the mess. For whatever reason, he didn't go to battle that day. For whatever reason, he stayed home. We don't know. I mean, who knows? But he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Anyway, that's not the whole message. So the building of the walls, though. Notice what Proverbs 25, 28 says. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and, and without what? Walls. No rule over my spirit. It's like a city with no protection. No rule over the way I live my life. Whatever feels good, I'm going to do it. Guess what that is? No walls. I like this, therefore, I, I, you know, she's pretty, I, I'm going to marry her. He's handsome, I'm going to marry him. Obviously, those are not the qualifications for being someone to marry. Now, being pretty and being handsome is not a bad thing, but that's not the qualifications. I'm glad for that or else I'd still be single. So anyway, and most of you guys would be too, so don't be laughing at me, all right? You guys all married up. We all married up, as they say, right? Anyway, those walls are important. A city with no walls, bad news. The walls of protection had been broken down in the life of King David, and immediately the enemy rushed in. It was as if David was like a city without walls. And it can happen like this. I'll get the walls built back up when I get older. No, build them now. Teenager, don't go through your teen years without walls of protection. Don't 
don't bulldoze the walls of your parents. That They're part of the wall of your protection. Your parents have been given you as a part of that wall. Your pastor has been given you as part of that wall. Those uh, people that are walking with the Lord, they're part of that wall. Don't run, run over the wall. Don't knock the wall down. The wall is a good thing. By the way, as an adult, we have believers, brothers and sisters that are also uh, our walls of protection and walls of friendship and walls of accountability. Those are not bad things. Those are good things. Don't take the walls down yourself. The enemy's going to try to tear them down anyway. Don't help him. If I'm open to the enemy, I'm open to invasion, I'm open to attack. Our prayer must be today, possibly some of us need to pray today, God, it rebuild the walls in my life. As the psalmist said back in our, the text, do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. My heart is right. It's broken. That's a good, good heart. My heart is crushed. It's contrite. It doesn't want to do what it wants to do. It wants to do what God wants to do. And I have these walls that are built up around me. I'm not trying to go around them or go through them. And then thou wilt be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. How has God challenged you this morning? Possibly your burnt offerings are being rejected. That can change today. Possibly you are, you are in the process, and many of us possibly right now, a different kind of breaking, but there's some brokenness, and that's a good thing. Let's not reject God's brokenness. Let's receive it as God receives my brokenness and your brokenness, our humility, our contriteness, and then let us not, let us not, of protection as the psalmist said build them put more walls up around your heart put more walls up around your heart hey you know what go to your mom and dad and say dad mom is there anything right now that you see in my life that, that, is, that is heading the wrong way can you, can you help me after they fall over and faint pick them up Because we don't do that. I say we because I was a teenager once. But you know what? They see things about you. They're a wall. They're the best wall you have. And you say, oh man, I'm in trouble. No, you're not in trouble. There's no parent in here that's perfect. And parents, we need to beg God that we would be a holy humble wall for our kids and anchor baptist church we need walls protection around our mind and our eyes first we started out with was is it possible for someone who is far away from god to come back and the answer is yes. Because we sang it earlier. 
Nothing is impossible when we put our trust in God.